Oh, McDowell, I was just thinking, I cannot wait to be in a room all together again on a Sunday morning where we can sing a song like that out. I'm, I'm thankful for technology that we can connect in this way. I'm so thankful that you're tuning in today. Uh, but I really miss, I think we all would say, we really miss getting together, hearing you sing, and worshiping as a community, following Jesus, learning to love. Even though we're scattered, we're still a community. We are continuing to follow Jesus with all that we are, and we are learning to love along the way. And like I said, we're so grateful that you're here. As a community, we like to, you know, we like to talk about some crazy things to get to know each other a little bit better. And here's something that happened this week that I thought was, was funny. Uh, we've been doing these virtual worship gatherings, and um, just because uh, I'm a part of them, but I have like zero musical ability whatsoever, some people have been making some comments about wondering why I'm just sitting here. And so some, some in our, our church community have decided that I needed to have an instrument in these times to share in our experiences together. So uh, this week, uh, this showed up at my house, and it is a harmonica. And I had great intentions of learning a Bob Dylan song or maybe a little blues traveler, for those of you who like blues traveler, but time passed too quickly, and maybe next week you'll get to hear from the harmonica. Nothing. Nothing. I, I mean, anyway. So here's the question of the day. If you could play any instrument and play it well, not play it like that, if you could play any instrument, and it's not the instrument that you normally play, so I'm going to take the ones that you have in your hands out of your hands right now. If you could play any instrument well, what would you choose? What do you think you would choose? Piano. Piano? Why piano? Because I want to do a little Harry Connick. Oh, yeah. I love Harry Connick Jr. That's a good one. What else? Drums. Drums? Drums. Yeah? yeah? Just for fun? Just for fun. Yeah. yeah. Really? A violin? I like that. You know, um, Sean is an incredible guitar player. I think we might be able to get you a bow one of these days, and you could go, yeah, yeah, yeah. little Jimmy Page. I like it. What else? What would you guess say? What would you say, Rob? Uh, I'd play the guitar. Guitar? If I could play it well. Yeah? Just acoustic, or you yeah, want like electric? Acoustic? No, yeah. It's good. So uh, we would love to know what you would choose if you could play any instrument. So there's a little chat bar over to your right. Uh, let us know who you are, where you're watching from, and what instrument you would choose. And one of the things I love about that question is every instrument, when you think about like a symphony or an orchestra, even though there are some lead parts at times, like every piece supports the beauty of the whole. And it's one of the things we're learning in Philippians. I think uh, the unity of those who are followers of Jesus is so vitally important to the kingdom of God. And we're going to hear a little bit about that today, which I'm excited about. Um, if you are new today, if it's your first time checking us out, thanks so much for jumping on. We'd love to know that you were here. You can comment in that chat bar or at mcdowell.church slash card. There's a place you can let us know that you were watching, ask any questions you might have. That's a great place to let us know about prayer requests. We still have a prayer team praying over these each and every week. We also have a couple of virtual Bible studies kicking off this week, which we're excited about men's studies, women's studies, some different times during the week, some in the morning, some in the evening. So if you'd like to be a part of that, on that connection card, mcdowell.church slash card, there's a place that you can mark, I'm interested in Bible studies or groups beginning. And so just mark that. We'll get back in touch with you early uh, this coming week, and we'll get you connected where you want to get connected. There's also 
Uh, many of you have asked, where, where can we love others in practical ways during this season? There's got to be some people who need uh, different things in the season, and we've got a few things that we're working on, uh, some with, um, with uh, some of the food banks around, which are really in a difficult spot right now. They, they actually need some physical help, and so if you'd be willing to jump in, if you're healthy, uh, they really could use that. And then uh, there's some other ways that we're, we're talking about helping uh, those who are in the foster care system and some families who are in need that are in the foster care system. So uh, we're going to be just get, getting that information out as soon as possible. But on that connect card, that virtual card, you can also connect. You can, you can write that you would be interested in helping out. So we'd love to have you help out in those different ways. Like I said, a number of things going on. We're going to be sharing communion a little bit later today. And so I want to encourage you at some point in the next few minutes, if, if you want to sneak into your kitchen, if you're not already there, and grab some bread or some Cheerios or some crackers or some chips, you really can use whatever you have to be a representative of the body of Christ. We'll get to that point. And then maybe some juice or some water or wine or whatever you have. Uh, we're going we're gonna to be moving in that direction today as a community. We're going to be taking uh, communion together. And then um, the last thing before we jump into Philippians is I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart, from the leadership, the staff of McDowell. So many of you have been so incredibly generous with our church during this season uh, financially, and it is making a huge difference. You are sacrificing something uh, in order to fund the mission and push forward the mission God has given us as a church. And I've actually been emotional a couple of times because so many of you are giving sacrificially in a way that is above and beyond what you normally do. And I just want to say thank you for believing and participating in what God is doing in and around and through McDowell. So thank you so much for your giving and for being a part of what God is doing here. So we're in this series uh, called Philippian, uh, called Overflow. It's, it's, it's built around the letter that Paul wrote to a church in Philippi. And Philippi, as we said last week, is a small city that was in the, in the northern part of, of what is modern-day Greece. And Augustus, Caesar Augustus, really reestablished this city and, and brought it into the Roman Empire as a colony, a, an outpost of, of the Roman world. And so what he was doing is trying to stretch the ways of the Roman world as far as possible. And uh, what, what's interesting about Augustus is many thought of him as, as the one who brought peace to the Roman world. And he did this by force. It, it, you know, when you have power, when you have armies and military, you can bring peace by forcing everybody what you want them to do. And so he brought these people into the Roman Empire. They became Roman citizens. He actually gave many who were in the defeated militaries in that area part of this land as well, because as Roman citizens, they would uh, enjoy a status they had never enjoyed before, which meant they became very loyal to him. Uh, Caesar Augustus became known as the son of God. We talked about that last week. And so this idea for early Christians to say, no, no, Jesus is the son of God. He's the Messiah. He's the savior of the world. He's the one who actually brings peace into our lives uh, was, was a stretch. It, it was a little unheard of, and it was a dangerous message for those early Christians. So Paul is writing to them, encouraging them. And one of the, the, the first pieces of this in chapter one is he says, I pray that your love would overflow. So as you experience the love of God, that your love would overflow. And one of the things we said last week was, the more that we rest in the love of God, 
that we, that, we, that we rest and lean into the love of God, the more likely we are to express or overflow with that same love. And so we want to do some things in our lives as followers of Jesus that, that help us to lean into God's love and to rest in that love. So Paul continues in, in chapter two, and, and he's building off this idea of the foundation of love. And he says this, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, this is from the message. I, I love the way Eugene Peterson words this. And it's interesting, the progression here. If, if his love, uh, Christ's love, has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, it's like a parent with a child, you know, if this means anything to you, or if you have breath in your lungs, if you're even alive, and then he says this, agree with each other love each other, and be deep-spirited friends. I, I love that instruction and that picture that he's beginning to, 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 to paint. You know, if, if you are a part of this community, this, this community of the Spirit, if, if Christ's love has made any difference in your life, then, then be on the same page with one another. Love one another and become deep-spirited friends. And I think there's this huge difference between unity and uniformity. And what Paul is leaning into here is, is really the unity built around the love of Jesus versus the uniformity of just following some rules or regulations. Now, Rome was working to expand their kingdom through uniformity. You are to follow our laws and behave in the ways that we tell you to behave. And if you do that, there will be peace in your world. And what Jesus was saying was, it's not about uniformity and just all looking the same or acting the same. It's... It's about unity around Jesus and his love for us. So he's saying, if this makes any difference, agree with one another, get on the same page. And here's what I believe, that, that love can accomplish what law never can. Like love accomplishes what, what law never could accomplish. In the Old Testament, what God did through Christ was, was doing something that, that law was never going to be able to do. For, for the Israelites. He did through Jesus, which is this incredible picture of love. Now, here's the deal. In our world today, and even in this current cultural moment, we have different perspectives. We have very different perspectives on things like who should be in charge, who should be making the calls about different decisions, about when we should no longer be in our homes. We have all these different perspectives, and oftentimes we believe that the best way to do things is to do the things that I want us to do. If you would just follow my ideas, then the world would be a great place. And what Paul is, I think, trying to, to say to that early church is that you are gonna have some different perspectives. You are not gonna be uniform in your behavior, in your beliefs even at times. But if you can, send, if you can, if you can have unity around Jesus and his love for the world, that's a game changer. Love, in another part of, of the New Testament, he says, love covers a multitude of sins. And I think that's what we all need, a little bit of love to, to cover the mistakes that we make, the missteps that we make as humans, the sin of our lives. One of the songs that I think ex expresses this and helps us lean into this so well is this, this song we've been singing called Stand in Your Love. And it's the idea that when we stand in the love of Christ, like fear can't overwhelm us any longer. 
And so we want to we lean into the love of God and, and understand more and more what it looks like to center on Jesus, for Jesus to be at the center of who we are as a community. So Father God, we thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus, the love, the picture of love that he gave us, the sac- sacrificial, self-giving love. And uh, God, we want to center on that. We want to we be united around the love that you have for us. We want to stand in your love today. Thank you for, for loving us even when we were unlovable. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I, I, I've grown to love that song, and I love the picture that it paints, especially in this season, that when we stand in the love of Christ, no matter what the circumstances that may surround us and the, what the world looks like around us right now, that our fear really doesn't stand a chance because of the love of God is so big and it's so much deeper and wider than we, we've ever imagined, and it, it changes who we are. Now, uh, you know, he's, he's saying, so agree with each other. In, in chapter 2 of Philippians, agree with each other and love each other and be deep-spirited friends. And the question becomes, well, how do we do that? Like, how, how can we not only stand in that love and rest in that love, but then how can we express that same love to those around us? How, how, do, we, how do we go about doing that? And one of the things that Paul writes is he says, take the same attitude that Christ Jesus has. So so take the attitude that Jesus had and the spirit that he brought about in in his life and his experience and and take that on yourself and and attempt in the the best way that you can to live in the same manner that Jesus lived. Practice the ways of Jesus. And then what Paul pens in this next little section of chapter 2 becomes really the foundational statement about Jesus for the ancient world. And it's such a powerful, and some, some said it was like a hymn, like a song, uh, this statement that they would say together to, to, to really focus in on who Jesus was. And so this is what Paul writes. He says, so take the same attitude as, as Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality as something to cling to or hold on to. But instead, he, he gave up his divine privileges. Like Jesus willingly gave up this status that he had, and he took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human. And when he appeared in human form, not just did he have to take on flesh and blood, but when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death that he didn't deserve on a cross. One of the most painful ways anyone could, could ever die and one of the most humiliating ways anyone could ever die. He humbled himself in obedience to God. He died a criminal's death on a cross and therefore God elevated him to the place of, the place of highest honor. And he gave him the name above all names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, we've probably heard this said a few different times, but I want us to try to, in some ways, understand that who Paul was writing to, this colony of Rome, those who lived there were pledging their allegiance to Caesar Augustus, their new Lord and Savior. 
they were already switching their allegiances to him and having to declare to maintain the peace, to, to keep their lives, they had to declare that Caesar was Lord, that Augustus was the Savior. And so what Paul is saying here is dangerous. To, to, to understand the, the vast difference between Caesar Augustus and, and Jesus. That Caesar Augustus it was, was clinging to his rights as the, as the son of Caesar, Julius Caesar. Like he was trying to cling to those things and claim power out of that. And I think what Paul was, gonna, was saying is that that, that leads nowhere because he's human. He's going to die. Jesus died, but he was resurrected. And now, like after laying himself down humbly, God has lifted him above all other names, every, every other name. And one day, every knee will bow. Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This became uh, a, a statement about who Jesus was, and it became a declaration for the followers of Jesus, a claim that they were making of who they were following, who their Lord and Savior was. And so for us as Christians today, uh, we often, by the way we live our lives or by what we think is going to bring power to us or prestige to us, we declare that other things have power. And we're invited into this, this place of love and grace and mercy where God says, no, no, come follow Jesus. He's the Lord and Savior. And you can rest in that love. It's not something you have to accomplish on your own or something you have to earn. You are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And I love uh, that thought that, that God is great. And, and this statement of, of the, the supremacy of Jesus above every other name, every knee will bow. It's, it's this invitation for us to worship, really, to say, no, God, you are great. In this world where there's beauty and there's things that we chase after, like none of those things will give us life, but you will. So we worship today and we say, God, you are great. Great are you, Lord. Let's, let's sing this song together. It must have been so strange for the early Christians to, to build their gatherings around communion. Symbols of uh, a body broken and blood spilled. It does not seem so strange. In, in a world, and, and I think the same today as it was back then, in a world where, where power is often exalted, we have this picture of humility and life-giving sacrificial love. And, and this uh, communion, uh, the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, it became really uh, the central act of worship for those earliest of Christians. And it's, it's an invitation that is given to us as well to gather around the table and to remember, to reflect, and also to commit ourselves to that same kind of sacrificial love. And this, in, in my mind, this becomes a unifying act and practice, a rhythm for us that brings us back together. Even though we have some differences, 
that this is what pulls us back together and reminds us of what's most important. I, I think when we center on Jesus, we understand that at his core, God is sacrificial and self-giving love. Like that's, that's who God is at the core. And not only do we recognize this about who God is and, and the way that Christ lived, but we, we're inspired and invited to that same kind of sacrificial, self-giving love. And, and we might ask why. Like, why is, that, why is that important? Because this is the best possible way to live. Because this is, is the way that we find true life with one another in community. And this is the way others find life through our acts of sacrificial self-giving love. So today we gather around this table and on the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested, he gathered with his disciples around a table to, or to, to celebrate the, the Passover meal. And he redefined the elements that were on that table. And uh, the first was a piece of bread that he took and he broke this bread and he passed it to each of his disciples and you know, he said, this is, this is my body, which is broken for you. And uh, I want you to, when you, when you hold this and when you take this, to remember my body, which will be broken for you. So let's eat the bread together. And then after the meal, he took this, this cup of wine and he, he said, this is my blood, which is poured out. And this is the new covenant that God makes with all of humanity, everyone invited to the table here. And this is for the forgiveness of all sins. And so he took that cup and he passed it to each of his disciples. And he said, take this and drink. So we take the cup and we drink. So Father God, we, we center ourselves around Jesus. And we see in him a picture of you. And we understand that at your core, God, is this sacrificial, self-giving love. We remember what Christ did and we also commit ourselves to that same path to give ourselves for the good of others. We declare as followers of Jesus that you are worthy. Your name is above every other name. And we love you today. We thank you for your great love for us. Yeah, so let's, let's do a little summary here. So because of what Christ did, we are now citizens of heaven, sons and daughters of the Most High God. Now that's good news for all of us. And some who maybe are tuning in today just need to know that, that, that because of what Christ has done, you've been adopted by your heavenly Father who loves you more than you could ever imagine. You are a citizen of heaven one of God's 
own family. So what do we do with that? How do we live? I, when, we were, uh, when our kids were, were growing, we often said, hey, remember who you represent, who, who, who you are when you go out into the world. You know, I think we all do that as parents. Like, don't forget who you are when you're out there doing what you're doing. And so Paul gets super practical. I love some of Paul's writing, how, how practical he gets. So here are a few things, uh, and, and maybe there's just one of these that pops out today as something you need to like lean into as, you know, maybe I need to remember this. So here's what he says, four things. Um, don't be selfish. That's a good thing for us to be reminded of. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Like, like understand and, and rest in who you are as a son or a daughter of God. You don't have to impress anyone else. You don't have to act a certain way or be a certain person. You can rest in your identity as a son or a daughter of the Most High. So don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble sometimes difficult in the world in which we live, to, to be humble and lift others above yourself. Those are four incredibly practical ways that we can have the same mind or attitude that Christ Jesus had. We can be humble. We can work to rest in our identity as sons and daughters of God and not try to impress other people. We can humble ourselves and lift others above us. And by doing that, it changes the world for good. It, it not, not only makes other people's world better, it makes our world better when we lean into the ways of Jesus and practice those. Um, so God is working in you. The beautiful thing about this is it's not up to you to accomplish all this on, on, your, on your own. And Paul writes, God is working in you. He's actually giving you not only the desire to do these things, but he's also giving you the power to do what pleases him. Like, this is God's work. Remember in the first chapter, he says, you know, the work that God's begun, he's going to continue until he's completed. And what Paul wants to remind us again and again and again is the spirit of, of, of Christ, to raise Christ from the dead, is the same spirit that lives in you to give you the power to live like Christ lived. So God is working in you. That's good news for us too, giving us the, the desire and the power to do what pleases him. We're not alone. We are not alone. And so then Paul, some more like marching orders. So live clean and innocent lives as God's kids. I love that thought. Live, live uh, clean and innocent lives as, as God's kids. Shining light like bright lights in a world of crooked and perverse people. Now, think about your kids when you send them out of the house and you're like, hey, remember... Remember who you are. There are people out there that are crooked and perverse. We may not use that language, but you get the picture. Uh, and what Paul's saying is, hey, in the world where there's people who live in a lot of different ways that may not kind of match what, what we think is the best way to live, be a, be a light in that place. Be a bright and shining light. And so that's how I want to encourage us this week, to, to humble ourselves, to have the same mind as Christ, and to live as a bright shining star in a world that desperately needs to know the love of our Heavenly Father. You're not alone. God's Spirit is in you, giving you both the desire and the power to do that. So let's, let's be a community centered on Jesus, 
leaning into the love of God, resting in that love, and then expressing that love to everyone we come in contact with. McDowell, I love you. I can't wait to be gathered with you again in this place. I can't wait to see you. Until that day, much grace and peace to you.